Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekends were made for sports. How would you like to play for the New England Patriots? I'd love to. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. Everyone, meet freelance alien bounty hunter, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp? The football guy? Yeah, I hunt aliens now. Used to catch TDs, now I catch ETs. You ever caught an alien, Shannon? Not yet, Mr. Question, but I'll let you know when I do. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. Oh, isn't this wonderful? Look at this room. What a beautiful room. Have you seen this room? Yes. We're in it. And Rashad Taylor. Okay, dude, I can see you don't want to be cheered up here. Come on, Donnie, let's go get us a lane. On ESPN Sports Radio 1080, The Fan. Hour two of two here on Sports Sunday. Mike Lynch, Jesse Osmond with you today as Rashad is out. Talking a lot of NFL draft today. Haven't really gotten into the Seahawks at all and barely mentioned the Niners, so I did want to get it there before we move on to a little Blazer discussion here uh, with some Neil O'Shea audio coming up next segment. But want to start, I guess I'll start with the Niners because we've already kind of gotten to them a little bit, so we can just kind of gloss over some stuff that they've done. But like we talked about earlier, bravo, round of applause given to John Lynch for being a very smart and heady GM in the first round of the draft, trading, uh, getting a haul from the Bears to go down one spot and still get the player he wanted in Solomon Thomas, and then also getting Reuben Foster, who fell all the way to the end of the first round and was considered the best inside linebacker in the draft, but fell because of a diluted drug test. Got to give him an A grade for that. But they basically filled a lot of needs. Uh, they do need uh, more depth at running back. They got the Utah kid, Joe Williams, the guy who retired and came back in the middle of the season due to an injury crisis at Utah and actually had an incredible season for them. If you remember that, that was a really good pick. Uh, I'm not going to pretend like I know all the guys they took. They took a quarterback I had never heard of before, C.J. Beathard, or Beathard with their third-round pick out of Iowa, which seems strange to me. I don't know who that is. But uh, if I'm going to trust John Lynch already, then I'm going to trust that this is going to be a good pick. And uh, So overall, I thought the Niners really knocked it out of the park with this draft. They were... One of the four or five key winners to me, and I was really, really impressed. And I think all Niner fans should at least have some hope now because there's been a couple of years with no hope at all. And I think this should be a positive for them moving forward. Really like their draft. Yeah, I I was blown away just right off the bat. Um, just how much <laughs> you were able to get for that second round pick for one spot for a guy you weren't even interested in. It's just it, I almost think he's got to kind of think. Cleveland for those couple weeks of are they going to take Hackenberg? Are they going to take Miles Garrett? Mm-hmm. And then you can just be like, well, Cleveland's talking with us about this pick. You know, you, if you really want it, you're going to have to pay for it. Like, it's just, it's it's smart. And it just goes to show how many GMs um, don't get this league. And apparently, uh, it's, it's still a little early, but it looks like John Lynch might just get this league. Uh, might, might just, yes. He didn't play in it for 
what was it, 11, 12 years for nothing. <laughs> Man, that guy could hit. He under he understands. Oh, I love John Lynch. I loved him for his last name mostly, but he was also <laughs> awesome when he came to the Broncos. Um, I got a John Lynch jersey the second he signed. I was like, yes! Him and Bailey together? Woo! I know. Uh, they were good. And Lynch was my favorite player there for a long time in Denver. So Me too. Uh, and then the Seahawks had a an interesting draft, and it felt almost like they got one or two immediate need help spots in the first two picks because they traded out of the first round. They traded down a couple of times, actually. Uh, their first pick was Malik McDowell, defensive tackle out of Michigan State with the 35th overall pick, which I believe was pick number three or four in the second round. It was three. Three in the second round. So uh, according to some of the draft boards I was looking at when that pick happened, that was a good value pick because he was higher up on some of the people's mock drafts going late first round. So good value there. Did need some depth on defensive line because remember some of their guys are getting older there. Cliff Averill, uh, Michael Bennett, both in their early 30s. So you never know when the skill talents, uh, skill gap's going to fall off there for those positions. Then they got uh, the guy Ethan Pochich or Postich, the center from LSU. Need offensive line help. That was probably, or that is the biggest need the Seahawks have is offensive line. Uh, so getting him with their second pick in the second round. They had six picks in the second and third rounds. So they had a lot of good uh, good good chances to get helpful players there. Uh, but what I thought was interesting was they actually drafted four secondary players in the draft. To me, that was the most interesting thing that they did was getting four secondary players. They drafted uh, Shaquille Griffin, corner, UCF, Delano Hill, safety, Michigan, uh, Tedrick Thompson, safety, Colorado, Mike Tyson, safety, Cincinnati, not that Mike Tyson. And what's interesting to me about this is we're basically just what, like a year removed from the Seahawks having the most feared secondary in the league. And now they're just drafting like crazy into that position. It's amazing what one year will do. It's amazing what the trade talks for Richard Sherman and the injury for Earl Thomas and uh, the question marks surrounding the second cornerback position and, you know, how much more does Cam Chancellor have in the tank? It's amazing how quickly in the NFL things like that will change. You go from Legion of Boom, untouchable secondary, to Richard Sherman frustrates us. We want to trade him to the Patriots. And Earl Thomas gets hurt and doesn't know if he wants to come back at all. Wants to retire, maybe. He's going to come back, but you don't. But he came back, but you don't know if he's going to be um, the same. You have Cam Chance. It's, just, it's amazing how quickly it shifts. So all of a sudden, they draft four guys who... It almost just felt like a depth thing. Let's just get as many as we can in. We don't know what's going to happen. We know our system is really good, but we don't know what's going to happen with our guys, and let's just fill those that need, quote-unquote. It was weird, but it was smart. But that's the thing. You used the word, the exact word where I was going to go, and that's depth. Now, the Seahawks don't need any... They got Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson, and you got some solid running backs. I'd like a better, uh, like big possession receiver you would but what are you gonna get you didn't have a first round pick well, so they i mean, did they traded out <laughs> not one worth having i mean now all the really good uh receivers were gone that at least the big physical fast you know guys with high upside are gone so what you do you go okay well we have all these really nice positions we have elite corners and safeties and this but we don't have the depth behind them anymore why because they've all been signed away over the last 4 years so what they did is they just went and revamped that depth because i guarantee you here in the next couple of years either somebody's going to get traded away or somebody's going to get released or they they have to start focusing on that salary cap because 
they don't have that luxury of Russell Wilson being paid $600,000 a year. So you, you have all these cap problems. You have to address that by bringing in depth through the draft. And they, this is what it's good is that you got that depth in the second and third rounds as opposed to in the fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds where a lot of people take all yes, their extra picks. That is true. So that is solid depth right there. You gave yourself a chance. They don't all need to hit. If three of those guys are good, solid players, contributors, then you did good. And I just I think the one thing I wish they had done was gotten another quality offensive lineman in that second and third round section because you're right. Those are actually – you'll get a lot of good players in those two rounds. Um it's it's easy to get good, if not starters, at least rotational players there who who will help you out for sure. And um, to, to take your second offensive lineman in the sixth round late, uh, Justin Senior from Mississippi State, I, I understand you want to go for value and stuff, but I, they need help there. That's their biggest weakness. And sure, you might think that, um, I forget the guy's name, Rich, Richardson, the guy they drafted last year who started at right tackle and kind of got hurt. Uh, I think that was his name. Um, you hope you get some guys like that who who will be good again in the year or two of their career. I just feel like you need to get more depth there too. So that was the one thing I didn't like about it, but I did like they got depth elsewhere in the secondary. All right, coming up next. Actually, no, quickly. Just wanted to mention this. Uh, only one Oregon and Oregon State player drafted. That was Tristan Deku, the safety from uh, Oregon State. He goes to the Texans in the fifth round. But from what I did see, Farrell Brown signed as an undrafted free agent with the Raiders. Victor Bolden, wide out from Oregon State, signed as an undrafted free agent to the Niners. And offensive lineman from the Beavs, Dustin Stanton, signed as an undrafted free agent for the Bengals. So that's what I've seen from the local players going to the draft. Munt is signed with the LA Rams. Oh, Munt did? Okay, mm -hmm. good. So both tight ends for the for the Ducks signing uh, as undrafted free agents. So that is uh, some good news for them there. But only one drafted, which is interesting. And Oregon was one of, I want to say, six or seven Power 5 teams who did not have one player drafted which is not a very prestigious group to be in. Trust me, Kansas and Syracuse are in it. <laughs> so two-thirds of primetime uh, didn't get drafted. So <laughs> not a not a very good spot to be in if you're Oregon. But hey, last year was a bad year. We'll see what happens this year. Coming up next, I got some old Shea audio from Tuesday and uh, from uh, the Clean Out Your Locker days, and we'll play that and react to what he seems to be wanting to do in the offseason next here on Sports Sunday on The Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 1018 here on Sports Sunday. Mike Lynch and Jesse Osmond with you. Rashad is out this morning. Uh, I did miss one Oregon State player drafted, which I don't know how I missed it, but Sean Harlow went fourth round Oregon State offensive lineman as well. Uh, That's what I was trying to find. I was like, I thought there was one more. Yeah, I didn't see it in, in the article I was reading earlier, but uh, again, sorry, was uh, rushing to prep for the show today, so my bad. Um, wanted to switch gears to the Blazers a little bit here and uh, got some Olshay audio from Tuesday when they had cleaning out the lockers day at the Moda Center at the, at the practice facility and did all of their interviews. And... One longer clip and then one short one. So I want to start with the short one um, just because it's uh, 
it's an easier one to uh, to listen to quickly and react to. This is about when they asked him about tanking. You can't build a winning culture by losing. You know, I, it was interesting. We were talking last night. I think Terry had all, he's better at all these stats than I am, but I think we're one of only six teams in the league to make the playoffs the last four years. And, and that's not to tout it because finishing eighth and getting beaten the first round in a sweep to Golden isn't something to beat your breast about when you're comparing yourself to Golden and the Spurs and, you know, the upper echelon. But I think if you looked at the reverse of that, you looked at some teams that have wallowed in the lottery, when you fall back into that and you accept that, it becomes easier to stay there. And look, and I come from an organization where for a lot of years, until Mike Dunleavy came and changed that mindset, it had been decades before they had gotten out of the playoffs. And then when Mike left, you know, we basically took one year down with a bunch of young guys and we're in the playoffs the next year. And they've been in the playoffs six straight years. And when you become a winning organization, you expect to win, you know, and, you know, and on a personal level, you just asked about Damon CJ, how do you do that? You know, how do you sit here in July and get a guy to extend a contract and commit to you long-term like CJ did and, and Dame did the year before, and then look them in the eye and say, we'd rather have the 10th pick than the 15th pick. Interesting. And it makes sense, right? It's, it's something that, you would expect Neil Olshay to say, but one of the things that we've talked about many times when we discussed whether or not tanking was an option was you don't, the players don't tank. It's just the GM and the front office make decisions to help the team lose a little bit. You don't tell the players to go out there and lose. You don't tell them to go out there and not try, but maybe there's a, maybe you want to give some more minutes to the young guys, or maybe you like Olshay did actually do is trade and try to build for the future. It just turns out Nurkic was for the present and the future at the same time, which helped. Um, again, I, I don't really think it's valid to have the conversation anymore because it's over. They made the playoffs. They got swept by the Warriors. You can argue whether or not they got experience by doing that or if they just lost confidence from doing that. You can argue whether or not you wanted them to tank instead of having that be what happened. But it's not here nor there. I do agree that it's hard to keep a winning culture if you have a culture of losing. I don't know if necessarily a month and a half of losing at the end of a season that was really bad is a, is that bad. Um, but fair, fair answer for Neil O'Shea. Um, this is a longer on. We'll, we'll kind of pause it and jump in where we feel necessary, but just talking about kind of the off season ahead and all of the things that the Blazers need to do here is once again, Neil O'Shea. Look, I think based on expectations, I think the first 50 games were a major disappointment for everybody. Um, I think on a team basis, it was disappointing. You know, I think individually, you know, we just finished exit interviews. I think all the players were kind of disappointed with the kind of the start that we had. Um, I think they had higher expectations for themselves as well as as a team. You know, but thankfully, you know, we were able to kind of, you know, pull it out the last, you know, 25, 30 games and salvage a season that had much higher expectations coming into it. Did they salvage? Do you, do you think they salvaged the season? Because I don't. I don't think they salvaged the season. He's right. The expectations were through the roof because of <clears throat> you, Neil, and Damian Lillard saying Western Conference Finals. Um, they got into the playoffs. They got into the eighth seed. They got swept by the Golden State Warriors. They had a good end of the year. Yes. They had a very good last month and a half. Nurkic's trade was great. I don't know if I want to consider that salvaging this season. You, 
you turned a bad year into a midi, middling mediocre year is kind of is kind of what happens. So is that salvaging? Not really. That's that's a little shine in the turd right there. Um, you know, there's two ways to look at it. You know, do we bemoan the fact that for the first 50 games, you know, we weren't the team we wanted to be, or do we? Yes. We take some solace in where we were post All Star break. Also, yes. You know about what this roster is capable of when it's when it's locked in and it plays with the kind of urgency we had seen the year before. Neil, how would you describe your flexibility or position moving forward to improve this roster? You know, it's interesting, Jason. I think this is the first the first summer we haven't had cap room. You know, since I've been here. Um, you know, a couple of times it was strategic, you know, that we had it, and a couple of times it was based on the departures of, you know, guys that, you know, we had looked to re-sign initially. So, you know, I think a lot of the growth of the roster is going to come internally. You know, we had the youngest team in the league this year. Um, we had the youngest team in the playoffs for the second year in a row. So I think we have to grow internally too, but... That scares me a little bit. Uh, I understand that there's not a lot of draft, or not a lot of, not a lot of flexibility. Uh, you don't have any tax or a cap space, but the growth's going to come from internally scares me because from what we've seen from this team or from what we've talked about with this team is internally you have three players who are for sure, at least after the 12 games that he was here, including Nurkic for sure. You're part of your future. Dame, CJ and Nurk, right outside of that. None of the players on the current team to me, look like future players. The only one that I would consider is probably Mo Harkless, just because he does it all. Uh, he except for shoot well from the three point range, um, but he's a good defender. He can get inside. He kind of is a is a good all around. I'm going to consider him a bench player, but starter for now on this Blazer team. But beyond him, I don't see much value in the rest of the roster. Al Camino can be a good defender, but oh man, if he touches the ball, you're cringing and you're and you're hiding your eyes and you don't want to watch it all. So uh, if it's going to come from internally, that A screams they're not going to make too many changes. Maybe that's not O'Shea. Uh, we know, and I think he'll say it in this clip, we know Paul Allen wanted to keep all the players too. Uh, it wasn't just him. He wanted to retain the guys that he liked a lot. So that could be partially Paul Allen as well. But let's continue. The three draft picks, you know, we moved the Cleveland pick into this year. Um, that was done strategically knowing we weren't going to have as many resources in terms of, you know, cap room or exceptions. So um, the, the three draft picks give us a lot of flexibility, not just in acquiring players through the draft, but as tools to get deals done. Um, it's why we were so aggressive to try and add an additional pick. I think, you know, this, this draft has taken on almost mythic proportions. Um, you know, I don't know if the reality is going to live up to it, but, you know, we have multiple teams that don't have a pick in this draft. Um, we have teams that maybe aren't selecting in the range they want to be selecting in and um, you know, some teams that are maybe in a different place than we are in terms of maybe a rebuild where draft picks are more valuable that would look to convey players that can help immediately. He's talking about trading the picks there, which is fine. Uh, a lot of Blazer fans are expecting them to, to do some sort of a package deal with at least some of those picks. Uh, the only thing, and I've been saying this a lot, is you got to look at what the Celtics haven't been able to do with the millions and millions and millions of draft picks they've acquired over the last few years. Um, there was talk, I think it was last year's draft. It might've been two years ago. Forgive me. Uh, where they basically were, it was a given that they were going to trade into the top couple of picks because they had like four or five picks or something like that. And they didn't, they couldn't 
because teams are nervous to give up on high draft picks or players for a draft pick, which is something that is not exactly a set in stone player. So it's not easy to do, but he is talking about it, which I'd love to see him do it because you, you can talk crap about Olshay all you want, but he has drafted well and he's made some good trades in his career so far here with the Blazers. He's made some mistakes. So we're not saying he's perfect, but he has been a good GM a lot of the time. So I'd be interested to see what he could pull in a trade scenario with some of those picks. They're just not the best picks to trade for players that they can play the futures game with. So I think we'll probably have to be more, be more creative than we've had to in the past, Jace. You know, I think we really, we're going to have to utilize the draft picks. I think we're going to have to, you know, take a look at some of the guys on the roster, obviously, and see where we have redundancies, where we need upgrades. Um, you know, clearly we have guys on this roster that are capable of playing a very, very high level of basketball um, that can get us where we all want to go. Spin, 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 spin. And we need to evaluate, are there guys in the roster that maybe, you know, aren't ready for that kind of responsibility? And do we need to find upgrades at their positions? At least some honesty there. He followed the spin with some honesty. Uh, do they need upgrades at certain positions? Of course they do. They've got a lot of issues on this team. All Blazer fans know they got issues on this team. So be interested to see what they do from that perspective. <laughs> we don't have any. <laughs> we have the taxpayer mid-level. Yeah, yeah, that's it right now. Yep. So free agency not happening according to Neil Walshay. <laughs> He's the questions asking about Paul Allen. If you can't hear it, it well, is a little know, quiet. Honestly, we don't talk as specifically about the tax. I think that just becomes a catch-all, you know, for people separating tax teams, non-tax teams, right, cap teams, non-cap cap room teams. You know, with Paul, you know, we're very lucky. The economics very rarely play into any of this. Um, he wants the best team on the floor. He wants to retain as much talent as possible. I think, I think we saw that last summer. I think some of the contracts that we, we gave out or matched were contracts as rewards for performance, and some were, you know, player retention, um, you know, Paul wants to keep as much talent on this roster and give this group the best chance it has to compete. And, you know, I said when I came here, you know, I had come from a situation where, not to sound trite, but winning was a byproduct of profit. And when I interviewed with Paul and when I came here, you know, I said I wanted to be someplace where profit was a byproduct of winning. And winning was always going to come first and you know, keeping players and being aggressive and making trades. And very rarely, if ever, does a conversation about the economics factor into if it's the best basketball decision for the organization. And, you know, that, that's something we're all very lucky to have here with Paul, that he's always going to put the team, the roster, um, and the organization first before the checkbook. Um, I'm not sure how, how to take that fully because – We've heard Paul Allen say he doesn't want to go over the tax again, or he will only in a very special circumstance. But he also is basically saying that Paul Allen was one of the driving forces between retaining all the players that they did last year. So I think they have more specific conversations than he was letting on in that clip there. I think they talk more specifically. I think Paul Allen wants to be more involved in, in the player part of it and for, for positive or for probably more negative than anything else considering he's not a, a GM in the league. So just as a whole, from what I took from that is they're going to try to make trades with the draft picks to acquire talent, whether that is getting a player out of it or just moving up in the draft or whatever the case may be. Um, 
I'm going to try to read between the tea leaves a little bit. And it sounds outside of some of the spin. It feels like he is more negative on the current players than positive. Sure. He wants the growth to come from within because you have to keep a bunch of guys around just to fill a team. But it sounds like he's willing to address and look at the positions of weakness, which there are many and try to cut bait as best as they can. And that could be involved in some of the trades that they may be making for draft picks or with their draft picks. But I just want to warn everybody, it is difficult to trade these draft picks. Um, and I know this draft is a very highly regarded draft, but the Blazers draft picks are from 15 down. So you don't, you're not going to have the same level of player down there. Uh, in a lot of the mock drafts that I saw, if they wind up keeping all three of their draft picks and cutting some of the players to make room, the, a lot of the mock drafts I've seen is they're taking forwards and centers. We talked about this last week. That's good. You need big men. You need defenders. You need energy guys down there. If they pan out, that's positive. But this is the single most important offseason for Neil O'Shea. It is. Because he made some mistakes last year, and he's got to make up for it. He's got he's got to try to dig himself out of the hole of the $150 million he gave to Alan Crabb and Evan Turner. Uh, maybe they both still turn out to be fine contracts in the end, right? Maybe they turn out to be better players than they did war in year one. Doesn't look like it though. That's the positive way to look at it, but it doesn't look like it. So very important off season. He's got to, he said it, he's got to be creative. How, how do you sh shed the, the space though? It's not, the only thing I can really think of is you you have to try to entice trade. another yeah. team to take off like Myers Leonard's off your hands. Be like, Hey, we got a couple picks. We can send your way too. well, like, sadly the magic fired their GM. <laughs> so he cannot uh, fleece the magic once again, which he has you, done multiple times. You still got the Knicks. That is true. Uh, you've got the Knicks. Um, <laughs> I don't know what uh, it's going to have to be creative. He's going to have to spin. He's a good spinner. He, he's going to have to spin some of these players. Look, there's not a lot of seven footers who can shoot the three in this league. Myers Leonard can still growing. He's still growing as a player and we'll give you him. And we'll give you this draft pick for blank player or a higher draft pick, whatever the case may be. You know, he could spin that Alfred Camino's deal is a very good contract. I really, I, I am. I would like to keep Mo Harkless, but he's a he's a good contract as well that you would be able to trade. I don't know if you can get rid of Crab or Turner with the deals that they're on, but um, he's going to have to get creative. That's what he that's what he said. So I think that's where we're going to go. I just I thought it was. I always like in these end of year press conferences, he feels the most honest of all of them, and um, there was spin in there, of course, there always is, but he felt at least there was some honesty in there too. All right, coming up next. Hate it or love it, solo edition. I win already, but I want to get some uh, get some hot takes in on Jesse's questions. But first, he has Sports Center. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. All right, 1039 here on Sunday. Just about 20 minutes to go on the show left. No Rashad today, just myself and Jesse Osmond. So I am the winner of today's. <laughs> Hate it or love it already. <laughs> I am up 4-2 now on the standings, but I will still play along anyway. So Jesse, go ahead and get us started. All right. Uh... So, looking over everybody's drafts, let's keep this in the NFL today. All right. Just looking at everybody and what everybody's needs are based on what I think. Well, and, you are the uh, expert in this. All right. I will give you that. I would like the to... The local show expert. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, 
the biggest glaring need for the Indianapolis Colts has been what? For a year, a couple of years now, multiple years. I mean, I mean, obviously they have lots of needs, but everything. What, <laughs> I mean, they got except wide receiver. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. So I mean, they need offensive line. Offensive line, correct. I mean, and, and then obviously Andrew the, Luck is dying, and then secondary behind that. Yeah, yes. but yes, you have you have one piece that you need to protect. And granted, this isn't a great offensive line draft, but you you didn't even take an offensive line until like the fifth round. In fourth this round. Fourth. Okay, so off off memory. In they those got Zach Banner rounds. from USC. Yes. So. I mean, it, That'll help you out a little bit. It's the only offensive lineman they took. I, exactly. <laughs> okay. So with that being said, they did help their defense out. I like the defensive side of their draft, but I think the most important thing is you, you got your franchise quarterback. You need to protect him, keep him healthy. So with that being said, Texans and Titans kind of had good drafts in, in perspective, meeting, filling some of those needs. Um, Titans got an elite corner. Uh, Texans filled their gl- most glaring need in uh, getting a, the most ready quarterback. With that being said, the AFC South is between the Texans and the Titans. Mm, yes. Love. Uh, I am ready. I am ready and all, all sorts of excited for a Marcus Mariota full-fledged breakout year. And I was a little surprised they did not take Mike Williams. They took Corey Davis from Western Michigan with the fifth pick. Uh, to get a wide receiver first, but that is one of their big needs was a wide receiver. And I won't, I'm not going to lie. I don't know much about him, but uh, I know he was highly rated and I know Western Michigan had a good offense for a few years. So I will, t- I'm, I'm fine with them taking him there and you're right. They got a very good cornerback with their second pick uh, in Adoree Jackson, which they needed another very good lockdown corner there. And I, I think they're ready. I think the Titans are ready to take that leap and the Texans for some reason, Mostly their defense are always in it. And I like the Deshaun Watson pick, which we talked about earlier. I'm happy with that. And as long as Lamar Miller continues to be a good running back for them and continues to be an important part of their offense, and whichever quarterback they have throws it to DeAndre Hopkins, you're right. I think it's going to be between those two teams. Jags have lost the sex appeal that they had for a few years for no reason. (laughs) And the Colts have not been sexy. And sure, their new GM walked into a really bad situation, but... You're right. They took one tackle. No lineman. That was it. Or well, offensive tackle. No lineman elsewhere. That's not going to help Andrew Luck stay healthy. It's I, not. Zach Banner's good. He's gigantic, but it's not going to help him stay healthy. I'm trying to think of another elite quarterback that's been beat up the way that Luck has the last two years. Just Well, not elite, but Jay Cutler was suffering that fate in Chicago. Yes. And yes. That's kind of what it Typically reminds me of a little franchises, bit. Typically, when they get an elite quarterback, they do whatever they can to try to protect said quarterback. Yeah, well, the Colts don't know what they're doing. <laughs> so. um, this is one that I was thinking about. Now, it's kind of awkward at the NFL draft when you see players show up. Now you're, you're starting to see a lot of the elite players not showing up because they don't want to be sitting in the green room alone as they fall plummet down the draft board. So, Did you see Chad, uh, Chad Kelly and how depressed he looked? Because he had, well, he wasn't there, but he had a draft party, and they kept cutting to him, and he was looked so bad. He, he was Mister Irrelevant yes. to the Broncos, by the way. But uh, oh yeah, I know Jim but. Kelly's nephew, but the Ole Miss quarterback. But man, he was not happy. <laughs> he was falling that far in the draft. Anyway, continue. I just it reminded me. Th- of that. That's all right. That's that's totally cool. Um, in that it, those moments kind of create some interesting moments for the draft. Um, at the same time, 
one of my favorite things to see is them walking up onto the stage, getting their jersey, getting their hat, and shaking the commissioner's hand. With that being said, the NFL should invite everyone to the draft that they invite to the combine. <laughs> hmm. I love it. You know what? I love it because it was really awkward. <laughs> it was really, really awkward to me watching the second and third rounds when the camera would kind of like pan up and then nobody would walk into the stage. It was like, oh, I guess, I guess he's not there. Now, that doesn't mean they have to go. Just invite them all. Exactly. But because um, I, I think you'd still get most of them would stay home. Most of them would stay with their family, with their friends. And that's totally cool. I don't I don't mind if you don't go to the draft. But to invite them all would be pretty cool because I guess the only negative would be is that not everybody in the combine gets drafted. So if you go there and you don't get drafted, it's super depressing. But I look, that's up to you. You make the choice. If you think you have a chance to get drafted, go. That'd be cool. You get to go to the stage. But Goodell isn't there every round. He's not the one reading all the picks. So you're not saying hi to the commish. We still get to go up and get your jersey. I think that'd be pretty cool. Why not? I love it. Yeah, your first jersey. Right? Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, That at least gives everybody like, hey, I can frame my very first jersey, throw it on the wall. Yeah. Type of deal. That is true. Um, I, like I like that idea. Yeah. You get more moments like the, um, I can't remember his name, uh, the guy that came out with the picture of his grandmother, mm -hmm. you know, was excited about, promised his grandma he would make it to the NFL. He did. You know, Bulls doing the, the, the you know, <laughs> Lion King the thing Simba. with his kid. Yeah. yeah. So I, you get more moments like that. So I also love it. <laughs> um, no rookie QBs start this season. So we had three go in the first round. I don't think any start at the beginning of the season. Oh, at the beginning of the at season? At the beginning of the season. I hate Deshaun Watson starting for the Texans. Oh, who else do they have? Tom Savage? They like Tom Savage. They tell us they like Tom Savage because they haven't had anybody else to like. <laughs> They had Brock Osweiler. Um, I think Deshaun Watson will win that job. I think he will. I, I'm very high on him, and maybe I'm just an idiot, and maybe I'm getting tricked by good college performances against the best defense in college football in Alabama multiple times. Maybe I maybe I just don't understand what good quarterbacking takes. I don't know. I'm being half sarcastic. But I, I, honestly, I could be wrong. But I, I think that Watson is very good, and I think that he will start right away. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about Trubisky, man. I don't. He's a little bit of a project, and it feels like... God, the Bears are stupid. It feels like they're going to bench Glennon in week three if he's struggling and put Trubisky in there, and then he's going to struggle, and they're going to just have a terrible season. And then they're going to draft another quarterback again next year because they're not going to have a quarterback. But um, And then Mahomes is certainly a, a stash pick because they got Alex Smith. But I think, I think Watson will start week one. I think he will. All right. I thought, I, I'm thinking Savage is going to roll out there. Just, and then I, in week two, be bad and then get replaced. I, That's the problem with drafting a first-round quarterback is you're not giving the guy you picked initially. Let's see if you're the Bears. You paid money to Glenn. You're not giving him a chance. If he struggles, they're going to be like, Trubisky, Trubisky. No, that's not. You got to give. You gotta have some patience. Yeah, I, I agree, especially with guys like these. They're all, they're all projects, every single one of them. I, I just, there's a difference in the speed and getting kind of worked into that seeing some things from the sidelines, you know, uh, right now I, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out there. It might be a hot take. This might be hot, 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 but I think right now at the beginning of the season, 
Savage gives you the best chance to win, and that's what you, um, Houston needs right now. They he, he might. They are competing for the playoffs, and I think right now he gives you the best chance to win. Now, week four, week five, week six, I don't know, because you should hope Watson's going to develop over that period of time a little bit, learn some things, work on his footwork, being under center, all that jazz. I, for one, it's it's more of a gut feeling than anything. I just have that Russell Wilson over Matt Flynn vibe from that pick right there. It's just Watson is good. And I have a feeling that he's going to push, push, push Tom Savage in that first one. And maybe he'll throw DeAndre Hopkins the ball a little bit. I hope for Texans fans sake, you're right. Yeah. They deserve a, a quarterback after all this time. <laughs> I, I just want it for Hopkins. Hopkins hasn't had a guy throw to him. God, throw the ball to your best receiver. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL. Come on, do it. All right. Coming up next, we'll wrap up the show. Quick little segment. This is sports Sunday on the fan. For sports, this is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Hi, hi, I'm here. Don't worry uh, about me. Where'd you go? I went to the other studio. I was <laughs> uploading audio and I lost track of time real quick. Uh, only a couple minutes left here in uh, Sports Sunday. Mike Lynch solo today. Rashad was out uh, having some car issues. Jesse's been here the whole time. Talked a lot of NFL draft. Talked some Blazers as well as uh, did the Hate It or Love It, which was a little more NFL focused stuff. I guess just quickly, since we only got a couple of minutes, I wanted to just throw... Some of these numbers out there for the Oregon Ducks spring game, which did happen yesterday. If you remember, there was some mini quarterback drama as Willie Taggart started playing Travis Johnson with the first teamers in practice. And uh, now that there's open practice, there's all sorts of little rumors and reports, not completely open practice, but you can actually go watch a little bit. And it's like, oh, Travis Johnson better than Justin Herbert. And Taggart's been very mum on it. Like, oh, Herbert still has to earn the job. He still has to win the job. And uh, yesterday... Herbert's team wins, and he throws for 327 passing yards and three touchdowns through to Darren Carrington for 116 receiving yards, two TDs, and then uh, also had Freeman and Benoit actually have good running games as well. And uh, on the other side, you had Travis Johnson and Braxton Burmeister split reps to lead 3.9 yards per play. And Johnson was 5 of 15, 86 yards and a pick. Burmeister was 3 for 7, 63 yards and a pick. So I'm going to go ahead and, and give my vote again to start Justin Herbert. You know, don't just because it's a coaching change feel like you got to change your quarterback. He was really good last year. He was the lone bright spot last year of the Oregon Ducks team. And uh, don't give the job to Travis Johnson if he doesn't deserve it. I think I think this is going to be Justin Herbert. I, I think this was more of a we're we're going to keep Herbert motivated during this change and say that it's not just his job. He's keep him more motivated, keep him more involved. 
put in the extra work to make sure that he comes in and wins the job. I don't think it was ever really in question, especially after you know yesterday's spring game. So I think you'll see Herbert under center. I don't think that's going to be an issue. You know, right good now. Good to see him have a great spring. I know spring games don't mean a lot, but it's good to see him have a good spring game. Yeah. And have good connection with Darren. Kind of pick up where he left off. Yep. And now it's just the, okay, I, I'm not worried about the offense. The Oregon's offense has always been, I mean, it'll take care of itself. Where's our defense right now? Because the last couple of years, that's been the problem. Well, that is going to be the biggest, most interesting learning experience we'll see in the early part of the year is just how much has the defense improved in one short summer they've made some moves obviously they've changed they've got guys who are now a year older but um i am very curious to see how the defense does this year or if the offense can do enough to maybe while they get better the defense still has their growing pains and it'll be very interesting all right we gotta go that's gonna do it for us here on sports sunday thanks so much for listening we should be back next week Jesse will be here, of course, and we'll have plenty more to talk about. NBA playoffs will be into the second round in full. I'm sure there'll be plenty of hot uh, NFL stories coming out after the draft as well. So we got lots of stuff coming. That's all coming up next week. But for now, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and we'll see you then. Omaha! 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 This one's for Pat! You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.